With everything going on in the world sometimes, I, I just don't want to look out my window. I don't want to turn on the news. For goodness sakes, there are times when I just avoid Twitter and Instagram and especially Facebook because it feels like the world is on fire. And then I realize that I spend my life either creating fictional worlds or talking about them. And as we are often talking about on this show, that little voice of guilt comes in in the back of my head and says, Oh, how frivolous your life is. The world is burning down, and like Nero, you're fiddling. But sometimes, especially in the hard times, spending our time thinking about fictional worlds is the best thing we can do. And I'd like to talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And yeah, today I want to kind of talk a little bit more serious and philosophically with you. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast or whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community. The bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Alrighty, let's just get into it, shall we? So, yeah, the world is not a pretty place right now. It really isn't. And I don't mean that, like, from a point of view of natural beauty. There's a, that That's still there. And I don't mean that from a point of view of saying that everything is bad and everything is awful and everything is terrible, because of course it isn't. But so much of what's going on in the world today revolves around division and separation and hatred and anger and fighting anger and being angry because of anger and being angry because of hate and hating because of hate. and All that just kind of spirals and swirls around until we all get lost in this maelstrom of insanity that passes for modern day life. And it's easy to get swept along in this, be it on social media or because of old school media that thrives off of us being afraid, off of us being alone. It has power when we are separated from one another. It has power when we are isolated. And all of these things that want to crack down on us and take away our joy and take away our happiness and take away our peace... They're also trying to sell us the things that will mask that loss and make us feel better, at least for a moment or two. And that's what I want to talk to you about. First of all, we've talked about this before, about looking to see the stories that other people are telling us, the stories that other people are trying to get us to believe and asking what it is that they want from us. But I think it's also important to see what stories we're telling and retelling and why we're so fixated on them. 
Because in a lot of ways, the stories that we tell are our personal mythology. And while that phrase gets overused a lot in modern society, it is important for us to realize that, yes, Star Trek is, in a lot of ways, my mythos. Star Wars is, in a lot of ways, my mythos. The same thing with the DC characters and the Marvel characters and many other franchises here, there, and yonder. They fill my head with the likes of King Arthur and Zeus and Thor. And they form a narrative structure by which I see, perceive, and seek out meaning in this world. And you may think that I stuttered there, but I see the world in one way. But my perception of it is how the world view that I have constructed for myself interprets those things that I see. And that's the difference between sight and perception, at least to me. Because we can all see the same thing, but we'll all perceive it slightly differently because of the various barriers that we put up between us, the various stories we like to tell ourselves. Depending on the language we natively learned to speak when we were children, if I show you a colored image, you will perceive it slightly differently because of the way you le learned to name those colors. It's not a major difference in most cases, but it is a difference nonetheless. The languages we speak, the philosophies we grow up with, the stories we tell, retell, share and participate in, they are the things that make us who we are. And in times like these, when everything seems so crazy, in times like these, when everything feels lost and we very often feel alone, or isolated, or that the entire world is descending into some manner of chaos, those stories matter more than anything. It may be one of the reasons why I'm so fixated on Star Trek lately. Because it happened before Picard, before the announcement of Picard. My current obsession actually began before Star Trek Discovery. And it's because the world that I live in fell into chaos. And if there's anything that the world of Star Trek is not, until Discovery happened, it is not chaotic. Star Trek is a world of order, where logic and reason usually win the day, when people actually care about truth and justice and morality, where people actually try to do what is right rather than what is easy. And focusing on those stories helps me to keep myself walking the path that I want to walk in this world. Talking about those stories shows you the little things, the little quirks that are going on in my mind. Noticing the book in the most recent episode of Star Trek Picard is just sitting there. And bringing up not only the message that that book entails and how that relates to the show itself, but how that relates to our lives and the place that we're in right now. 
because we know Patrick Stewart was obsessing over that. In this world of Trump and Brexit, what is Star Trek's response to that? And it's interesting that, at least at this point in the series, we have this idea that we should embrace our passions. Now, we know, if we are fans of the genre, if we are fans of the franchise, if we're fans of Star Trek, we know that's not where the story is going to end. Because Star Trek is about reason and logic and how those things have to be guided by our passions. We can't allow one to control the other because anger is a passion and hatred can come from the most logical of arguments. Neither is valid without the other. And sometimes, just sometimes in our darkest moments, the two collude against us and bring us into terrible, terrible places. But that's why it's important to tell these stories. That's why it's important for us to investigate these stories, because they're safe places for us to talk. At least they used to be. That's why the agents of chaos in this world are trying to attack every questioning series, every episode of anything that brings meaning or questions anything. Because it should be pure escapism. You see, if there's any meaning to be found here, if there's any story to be torn apart and looked into, we might find a way out of the chaos. We might find a way out of the madness. And if we get too far out of the madness, we might not need it anymore. So no, 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 no. These are supposed to be just frivolous stories. These are just supposed to be stories about simple morality, right and wrong, good and bad, and no judging, no judgment, because we don't do that. Because if we learn to do it in our fiction, we might learn to do it in real life. We might see who really are the evil empires and who are the rebels, who are the resistance. So no, 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 no. We can't have that there. But now, more than ever, it is important for us to create those stories, to seek out those stories, to talk about them, because in them we find meaning and purpose. Several times on this episode, on the series, I have discussed the four functions of myth as defined by Joseph Campbell. And they're very simple. They're how I relate to myself. They're how I relate to society and its rules. How I relate to the cosmos and how I relate to the ultimate mystery of life through its stages and changes. And these four functions of myth are found in every story. This is why Star Trek Picard is dangerous, because it's showing us an elder desperately trying to share his wisdom with those younger than him, desperately trying to make up 
for the sins of his past and leave this world without regret in his heart to find meaning, purpose, solace, and redemption. And that is a dangerous story if you don't want people questioning their lives. No matter what you personally thought about The Last Jedi, this is one of the things that made it dangerous and why those agents of chaos who are there simply to be agents of chaos attacked this film. Now, you may or may not have liked it because of your own personal taste, and I'm not here to judge that, so please don't think that that's what I'm doing. But we all know those provocateurs, as they like to call themselves, who glommed on to this one particular movie that said such scandalous things as, yes, the cause may be good, but who profits from it? Why is the cause never cured? Oh no, we can't ask those questions. Raytheon won't like it. And the various others who make a living selling weapons of war, they won't like it if we see why they're necessary. So let's not have that discussion. Let's not talk about how anyone can be great. Because you must have a lineage, don't you understand? If you don't come from something, you are nothing. So we can't have that. Oh, and a powerful woman? Multiple powerful women? A woman of color? No, 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 no. We can't have any of this. None of this. None, none, none at all. It is not beneficial to the chaos that allows us to distract people from their daily lives. So they don't see the actual hands, the actual culprits that are causing the problems. And don't worry, I'm not going to slip into politics now and start pointing at all the things that I see wrong in the world. Because that would be antithetical to the point I'm trying to make here. It's in looking at these stories and participating in them, asking the questions that we learn to see for ourselves what it is about the world that makes it the way it is. You see, once you learn how to dissect the story of a story, a fictitious series of events that never happened, and you start applying that to the world around you, one, you have the danger of concocting conspiracy theories left, right, and center because, well, we want there to be a grand villain and not just a whole bunch of inept stupidity, when usually there's just a whole bunch of inept stupidity and not really a mastermind controlling everything behind the scenes. In some ways, that would be far more comforting, wouldn't it? But you also start to see the elements of the tales that were told and the stories that are unfolded around us to control us, to keep us from asking real questions about our paychecks, about our taxes, about our community, about why certain roads get built and other roads are allowed to have potholes on them, why certain schools are funded and others are not. You see, once you learn to see the narrative threads in fiction, well, the common fictions that we tell each other, well, you can start seeing the narrative threads in them as well. You can see the beats. You can see the points. You can see the characters that are being created and cast off 
and recast sometimes. Because we can't always have the same villains. They don't work like they used to. They're having a real problem right now with socialists, aren't they? They used to be the great bugaboo. You just said the word and people screamed and ran. But for one reason or another, that's not happening, so we have to find someone else. Maybe it's Guatemalans. Maybe it's Muslims. But we have to find that, don't we? I don't think so. I don't think that societies need scapegoats. I think rulers do. And this is the thing you start learning when you spend your time either creating, crafting, reading, participating in, discussing, digging deeply into these tales, these heightened stories of witches and wizards, of monsters and terrors, of great warriors and terrible wars. Because once you learn to start seeing all of the intricate moving parts of these stories, then everything else is a little bit easier to see because you've started to look for those unseen things. Was Palpatine always meant to come back in the Rise of Skywalker? Well, it doesn't really matter now, does it? It did. And since he did, you now go back and you re-evaluate the first two movies in that trilogy, and you see the fingerprints of Palpatine on everything. You see the handiwork of Yuptashu as he's molded this new empire and the image of Snoke, this safe puppet that would distract the universe from what's really going on, so the galaxy wouldn't see. And you start asking yourself, is there a puppet here? And I don't mean a grand conspiracy. I'm not saying that we need to start looking for the Illuminati or the lizard people. Far from it. But there are people who benefit from every decision we are asked to make. And so, yes, it can seem frivolous to sit around and talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and Marvel and DC movies, to sit around and create stories that take place in fanciful settings with imaginative and creative and strange and bizarre things happening. But the more we do that, the more we participate in that collective dream, where we can honestly have a debate, because we have the text in front of us, so we can talk about what happened because it's right there. We are learning invaluable skills, skills that are threatening to those agents of chaos, those people who want us distracted. Because no matter what it is, there's always someone who wants to distract you. It's in the 1950s, the racists who would have the R&B music performed here, there, and yonder. We can have a day for it. Think about in the movie Hairspray, or the musical Hairspray, or the musical movie Hairspray. See, racism can't be that bad. We have a day for them. You see, be distracted. And thus, the agents of chaos try to hide the racism. They try to hide the sexism, the homophobia, the transphobia, behind 
the beautiful lie. And that, my sisters, brothers, and siblings, is what I want you to learn how to see. That's what we all need to learn how to see, and that's what we're doing as we take apart these wonderful stories to find their heart and to find what they're secretly trying to tell us. Because it is a secret. It's not what the author intended, and it's not the true meaning of that tale. It's the meaning that we find in it. And that, my friends, is the true gold that we're here to find in this world. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I'm C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. While you're in those show notes, if you have any money that you could help me keep my lights on, you'll find a link to both listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everyone who does that. You mean the world to me, and you make all of this possible. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody you think would like any of the work that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you will ever know. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.